Because if you could take care, if you were a quartermaster, you can sure and help take care of running a, you know, a department store uh, thing, you know, where in the second floor of the ladies' department or whatever, you know what I mean? Been dazed and confused for so long, it's not true. Wanted a woman never bargained for you. Progressive positive campaign and turn, turn this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for because we cannot get reelected. We cannot win this reelection. Excuse me, we can only reelect Donald Trump. Uh, do what? We cannot win this reelection. Excuse me, we can only reelect Donald Trump. Say what? What you talking about, Willis? We cannot win this reelection. Excuse me, we can only reelect Donald Trump. Easy for you to say. Yo, what's up? You're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast with your host, me, Brandon Harper. I'm just a regular dude living in a regular world with lots of opinions. And I come here about once a week or two to get things off my chest. You know, in a world where people are scared to say what they think, we now have podcasts. And I find it super useful to be able to record my thoughts and then instead of arguing with someone, I politely send them a link to my podcast. Rather funny. Anyway, thanks for listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. If you're wondering why it's called the Life in Paradise, that's because I started it when I lived in San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. I owned and still do and operated a sailboat charter business. And I moved down there for about a year and a half, two years. And the first half of this podcast chronicles the time that I spent there. And then everything after episode 43, I think, starts in uh, with me living in Corpus Christi, Texas. So thanks for tuning in. Life in Paradise podcast. Sit back, relax, and turn over the keys to your neurons for the next 30 or 45 minutes. I learned a lot. And I learned that uh, I learned a lot. Anyway, uh, Bo, uh, Bo is associated here. Anyway, the point I want to make is... Uh, I learned so much. I learned so much. I learned. Black, white, all colors, all backgrounds. What I mean? Come on, man. Men, women, gay, straight. Everyone deserves a shot. You know? Come on, man. You know the thing. You know what I mean? You know the thing. You know what I mean? Come on, man. What I have to do is I have to continue talking about the things. Come on, man. I came down here because I. Remember the first bumper sticker I saw? I learned that uh, I got hairy legs that that that, that 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 turned blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. And I learned about kids jumping on my lap. I love kids jumping on my lap. Oh, uh oh, I'm in trouble, trouble. What are we nuts? Dead, dead, dead. You know? Come on, man. Give me a little break here. Get a life. Taking cocaine or not? What do you think? Huh? Come on, man. Black, white, all colors, all backgrounds, what I mean? Come on, man. Men, women, gay, straight, everyone deserves a shot, you know? Come on, man. You know the thing. You know what I mean? You know the thing. You know what I mean? Come on, man. You have a problem figuring out what you're from being drunk, and you ain't black. Come on, man. The corn pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. Man, two weeks strong without a podcast. 
My bad. I know most of the people who listen to this know me personally, but for those who don't, I went hunting last weekend, so no podcast for you. I kept saying throughout the week, I'm going to record the podcast today and I'll get it up tomorrow. And even driving back from my trip, I was like, oh yeah, I'll get home, you know, by 5.30, 6 o'clock. I can record a podcast and, and no one will ever know. And then no, no way, Jose, especially after an eight hour drive. So I was up in Quanah, Texas with my buddy, Gerald, or as we call him, Gerald, and a couple other friends, a uh, guy, John, that I've known for a bit and a new friend named Dan Floyd. And um, it was a good time. We didn't kill many birds, killed lots of brain cells, killed a few pigs, some coyotes, and uh, we killed some good food. But I'll touch on the trip here and there throughout the podcast. I, um, I keep notes in my phone as I bound through life and observe things. And so I just scroll through my phone and I pick a topic and then I kind of dive into it. So that's a little behind the scenes and how things work with me and my laptop and the microphone in my face. And dogs staring at me, wondering who I'm talking to, and if it's time to eat yet. But you guys didn't pay your money to come here and hear me talk about dog food. Hey, speaking of money, I still haven't had any offers for a sponsorship. I mean, come on, guys. Come on, man. As Biden would say. Recently, a local radio station reached out to the brewery, New Oasis Brewing, and they said, hey, we have a radio spot if you guys want to advertise. It's a one-day-a-week show on Saturday morning called The Bad Blonde of Cars. I think I may have mentioned it. Kale and I were actually on the show, and the hostess is a friend of ours who also lives downtown in Corpus where our brewery is. But my point is, it would cost $125 a month to advertise on her show, and you get four advertisements a week. Or you, you may get more than that on Saturdays, but you get four days, so four Saturdays per month of advertising. But just during her show... And I'm thinking, you know, if she can get $125 a month, surely I can get like 10 to 15 bucks a month. I mean, hey, you guys laugh when I talk about a sponsorship. I'll say whatever you want me to say for a little bit of money, except something like maybe like go Biden. I won't, I won't say that. I will not say that. But speaking of confused, you know, my first note in my phone was to talk about the presidential debate and then like. A week and a half, two weeks later, I feel like nobody wants to hear about the debate. Nobody wants to talk about the debate. So much more has happened since the debate. But I just want to say a couple quick things, say my piece, and then I'll move on. When debates were originally started, it was for candidates to express their viewpoints to help voters decide on who to vote for. I think over the course of time, that's changed. I think um, now, and I, I don't know how the course has changed or when it began to change or anything like that. I just know the then and I know the now. And now I feel like everyone knows who they're going to vote for before the debates even happen. So they don't really do that much to help persuade voters. But I do respect them in, in, in a way of like, well, let's just let's hear how good you are when someone of equal stature is arguing with you. And so that to me is worthwhile. But what we had last week I don't know if that was worthwhile. Actually, I take that back. It was worth it. I wanted to see Biden squirm a little bit just for my own satisfaction, and he did. I just felt that uh, that Trump spoke too much. He bailed him out. If there's one thing I wish would have gone differently is that Trump would have 
you know, contradicted one of Biden's lies and then just been quiet and let Biden talk. Because if you let him go long enough, you just wind him up and let him go, he'll get confused. He's shown it over and over again. And I know there's some people out there going, yeah, but Trump, but, but Trump lies too. And Trump, and, and, and he's better than Trump. Yeah, I know, whatever. If you think that, that's fine. But for some reason, we, we've gotten away from being able to critique one person without throwing the other person into the fire. And that's just silly to me. If you know me, you'll know that I slammed Trump before the first election. I rode him into the ground. So he had his chance. That was it. Now it's Biden's chance. I don't like the guy. I don't like his character. Has nothing to do with Trump. You see this two-party political system, which hey, I'll get into that maybe at another time. I used to be super against a two-party system. I'm kind of back on board with it now. But there are some byproducts that you have because of it. And one of those is, well, you slam my candidate. Now I slam your Instead of defending my candidate, I just slam your candidate. I hate that. I cannot stand it. That that is like some political BS. Like that's how that's how politicians argue on stage. You know, I would love to see someone get up there and just have a conversation, an argument, like you would have at a bar. You know, maybe a little bit more controlled, a little bit more thought out, a little bit more planned. But two guys just duking out their varying opinions with facts. I mean, I get why they follow this debate format of interrupting and going over their time and reverting back and and starting out, you know, responding to a question with what sounds like irrelevance and then trying to circle back. Like, I understand why they do that. I just think it's time to move on. But going back to the um, I attacked your candidate, so you attack my candidate mindset. I mean, it's just it happens because there's two parties. It's binary. One or zero, blue or red, R or D, and you have to pick. And when you don't know enough about someone to, to counteract an argument, you just reach. You reach for something else. And it's, it's got me furious about this Biden situation. You know, when I confront people or have a discussion with someone or bring up some issues that I think he's having, you know, the only thing people could say, better than Trump. <laughs> and I'm just like, is that all you got? Is that really all you got? So, they, so your candidate, your favorite, your, your cape-wearing hero, the only reason you're voting for him is because he's better than Trump. Good job, buddy. You must be proud. So, yeah, I don't know. Trump should have let him talk more. He would have buried himself if that would have been the case. He, old Trump, he just cannot stop talking. That's just his personality. It's the way he is. It's impossible. I know that his handlers or the people who prepped him for the debate were probably cringing as it was going off. And he, whenever his response was, stand by, stand down, proud boys. Like, everyone in the room was putting their face in their palm, including me. But anyway, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. He missed some good opportunities, some good opportunities to let Biden flounder. And he didn't do it. And now here we are. The son of a gun went and got the COVID. And now he's getting under fire for having the COVID. And, and everyone blames him for beating the COVID. And I tell you what, man, I don't think anything can knock Trump off his horse because he has been, he's been like a dude on a horse, like that's just set off to ride through an army, like shooting him. And he just dodges every bullet that comes at him and bounce some bounce off. And it's just like, nothing can phase him. He must just be used to it. But anyway, I think we're done with debates. The season seems to be over. Uh, They both probably are, are not on with doing another one. So my guess is that it won't happen. 
the Kamala Harris and um, oh, what's his name? Oh, Whistle Britches, uh, Mike Pence. That debate was just kind of blah. They were talking over each other. I don't know. I didn't really get excited. I'm not a huge fan of either one of those two people. Just kind of blah. It was a typical vice presidential debate. What cracks me up is that <laughs> everyone thinks that their favorite candidate won. No, he won. No, Pitts won, man. He talks circles around her. Mm-mm, girl, that's Kamala Harris. Ain't nobody going to take to her. She'd be like, excuse me, sir. I was talking. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And in my opinion, no one really wins those debates. You know, you you cheerlead for your candidate. But a, a true debate, you know, there's a judge and there's two sides. And the and the and each side has to present their case to the judge. And the judge rules at the end. But these debates obviously aren't that way. So I love to hear people talk about who won the debate because it's all kind of silly talk to me. And then we just go on about our lives. And that's what's happening. But here we are, 20-something days away from the election. I don't see... I don't see how Biden can win. I just don't. I know the polls are skewed in his favor. I just have a hard time seeing it. We'll see. Time will tell. Got a good little uh, little bit of money placed on the old uh, the Donald. So we shall see. I just want it to be over with. No matter who wins or who loses, it's going to be a shit show. It will be an absolute cluster. Beep. Because if Trump loses, it it will be surprising if he doesn't keep challenging it and fighting it and trying to sue people. And if Biden loses, there's going to be some furniture moving in the city. Better believe that. <laughs> Remember how they protested and and marched and gathered and chanted when Trump won the first time? Yeah, there's been a little bit of steam built up since then, so should be interesting. Speaking of steam being built up, I want to talk a little bit about hunting, etc., so anyone who knows me knows that I grew up hunting. I've always hunted. I'm not like one of those. I don't call myself like an avid hunter. Like oh, I'm in the woods every day during hunting season. And I get up at four o'clock for 35 days in a row. And I don't miss nothing. And I have a meat full of freezer full of meat. I'm not that guy. But I'm the guy that like, you know, if I have a chance, I get on a hunting lease. If I don't, I don't. It's no big deal. But I enjoy it. I've done it. I don't run out and buy all the best gear. I show up in my blue jeans and t-shirt and sometimes tennis shoes with my old Remington 870. And if we're being honest, I typically outshoot everyone with the fancy nice shotguns. But I'm not going to say it, but, I, I, but that's how it works. And so I didn't get into deer hunting until a little bit later in life. But I grew up duck hunting, uh, dove hunting, goose hunting. That's kind of my, my jam. And I've learned over time about myself that I really don't like the killing part. I don't enjoy it. I know a lot of people who don't hunt think that like hunters are, well, let me rephrase that. People who don't hunt or know hunters have this like general vision of hunters that were like poachers and killers. And that like we like kill an animal and we like you know, dance around it and sing its praises and take its blood and wipe it under our eyes and draw crosses on our foreheads. But we don't. We really don't. Most of us, we pull the trigger, we recover the animal, and then to me, the fun part is turning the animal into food or, you know, going from a, an animal that you harvested into a really good meal or, or some good food. If it weren't for that, I wouldn't hunt. I have no, I have no reason to. Growing up, you know, I've always been around friends and buddies that want to go shoot coyotes and shoot pigs and you know in texas there's a huge pig problem 
Um, they destroy tons of crops, cost farmers tons of money. Farmers want them all killed. It's kind of understood that you don't even have to eat them if you don't want to. It's not considered unethical because the whole purpose of killing them is to eradicate them from the, from the property. And my rule about killing things, well, I'll never kill anything with paws. I don't know why. I just don't. I'm not going to eat it, number one. And so I just don't care to. Like, like coyotes, you know, I have a bunch of friends that shoot coyotes. And it's just too much like a dog for me, I guess. And I know that they're not dogs. And I know that they'll never be dogs. And I know that they eat baby cows. Like, I know all this. No one's going to convince me of anything I don't know. And if a farmer came to me and he's like, hey, man, I really need your help. I've got all these coyotes. I've got no one to shoot them. Will you help me kill them? I'd say, yeah, sure. I can help you do that. But I don't enjoy it. And I'm not, like, scared of it. That's just not, like, fun to me. And so what I've noticed is that it is fun to some people. It's fun to kill things. And people don't want to admit that. They want to say, well, you know, I'm just I'm helping, helping the rancher, helping the farmer, helping them out. You know, just pigs eat up all the crops and coyotes kill calves and, you know, we're just going to help them out. And I think, well, yeah, you're helping them out, but that's probably not why you're doing it. Which, look, hey, listen, it's fine. I, I really wish people would say, yeah, I mean, I kind of enjoy killing pigs. It's fun to me. Like, I don't. I don't feel bad in the slightest. Like, own it. Own your decision. Don't say that we're trying to help the farmer. I would much rather have someone say, yeah, you know, I'm kind of bloodthirsty. I like to go out at night with thermal scopes and kill shit. That's fine. That's your deal. Like, I'm not going to judge you. And I want to say that I'm not, I'm not referring to anyone specific or in particular. Um, but if you hunt, you know these people, and maybe you are one. But I, I don't want those people to get offended or feel like that they're being judged because... Like I said, I've been able to recognize this for a long time, and it doesn't really change the way I feel about people. I just, I just noticed more of something about me than I do care what other people do. And I think deep down inside, there, there's some people that it feels like, a, um, like they're either former, former military or they were kind of wish they were military, and to like find an animal in the dark and spot it and stalk it and kill it you know, there's kind of something that they they like about that, that it's like militaristic a little bit. I don't know. That's fine. That's their deal. But it's just not me. I've come to the conclusion I don't like killing animals unless I'm going to eat them or someone else is going to eat them or, you know, they're causing a threat to me or my dog, then I would probably enjoy killing them. But if people really wanted to help the rancher and help the farmer, they'd, they'd go out and, and run fence on Saturday and Sunday morning and they'd feed cows and they'd you know, do all the other little things that, that require a farm to stay operational and not just the most fun thing there is. You know what I'm saying? One of the most incredible things I've seen in a long time happened on this hunting trip. And it reminded me that grown men are nothing but older boys. <laughs> One of our buddies have this attachment that screws onto the end of an AR-15, and you use blanks. So you load blanks into the gun. You screw this thing on the end of the barrel. It's about an inch and a half in diameter, maybe two inches, and about six inches long. And it claims to be a golf ball launcher, and it is a golf ball launcher. So, so you drop the golf ball in that little tube, and you fire off the round, which has got a blank in it, which just... Basically, just all the pressure from the explosion of what would be the bullet now just forces the golf ball out of the barrel. And that thing, I'm telling you, I bet it went six or 700 yards. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Probably one of the most fun things I've done in a long time 
reminded me a lot of the old potato gun launchers we used to make, but I feel like these are way more safe because they're made out of steel. But we shot just about everything we could think of. And man, those things are powerful. And the golf ball flies. I mean, it's so hard, so fast, you lose it within a few seconds. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. They're like $30. I mean, what else can I say about America? You know, shooting a golf ball out of the end of an AR-15 out of something that costs 30 bucks. Is there anywhere else in the world that could provide you with that scenario? No, probably not. Which brings me to my next topic, gun rights. You know, everything we have listed in the Bill of Rights is a right for us. Like, the government cannot take that away. Guns are listed there. Yes, time has changed, but they're still there. And for all the people that think that they want to make things a right, we need to make healthcare a right, we need to make this a right, it should be a right to whatever, well, you need to change the Bill of Rights because that specifically spells out our rights. And until it's on there, it doesn't do any good to say what you think. I mean, you can do it all you want to. It can be overturned with every president who comes around. One president can put in health care for all. The next guy can overturn it. Until it's in the Bill of Rights, it doesn't matter. But let's talk about gun control a little bit. And, and what made me think about this was a scenario that happened out there while we were hunting. And there was five of us at one point. All had loaded guns in our possession. With bullets in the chamber, ready to fire one click away from firing and moving the safety. That's all it would take. I didn't feel not even a little bit nervous. I didn't feel, like, scared. I wasn't on edge. I mean, I felt just as comfortable as I would have had we all had broomsticks. And keep in mind, one of these guys I had never met before, the other guy I had met plenty of times, one of them was a close friend, and another guy... I'd met a few times, but never been out with him with guns. But I, I, that thought went through my mind, and I kind of went looking at everyone, you know, looking around at them and just kind of analyzing them and seeing if I could predict what they were thinking. And I don't think any of them was worried about us just shooting someone, you know? And, and it made me think, like, okay, why am I so comfortable around all of these loaded guns? And all, like six of them were big, black, scary military rifles. And I don't. I don't even think twice about it. And why, so why, why is that? Hopefully it's not because we're stupid, <laughs> although some people would say that we are. But I think it's just because that's how we were raised. And although one of the guys I'd never been around, never hunted with, much less, I didn't even know him, but I, could, I can look at him and see the way that he's handling a gun and know that there is no issue at all. And it's all because of the ways we were raised. You know, if you, if you had never been around guns and you never handled them, and you didn't know how to operate them, I can totally see why people feel uncomfortable about them. I can understand why people think we don't need them. We can take them away. If, if the guns are what's killing people, take the guns away. People don't die. I, I can almost see how people think that's a good argument. I have not known one person who has been raised with guns, comfortable around guns, enjoys guns, and respects guns, who also thinks we should make the, um, the ability to own a gun more difficult or increase regulations. I may have known one person who thought it should be harder to buy a black rifle. But other than that, there's been no crossover. But it's just an interesting notion. Once again, we can blame the parents, you know. And I say blame, but, you know, maybe the parents just grew up unfamiliar with them, so they raised their kids unfamiliar with them, and then that's just how it keeps going. But then you have some other parents who, from a young age, 
don't teach their kids about guns. Their kids grow up on the streets. They learn about guns from their friends. They learn how to abuse guns. They learn violence is the answer. And I think that's the issue. I don't think guns is a problem. I'm not sure if people by themselves are the problem. But guns in the hands of the wrong people is the problem. How do you fix that? Well, that's the billion-dollar question. Basically, what you're asking is for a culture to change. And for a culture to change, it takes generations. It doesn't just happen overnight. Because you've got to admit that there's something wrong. And imagine if someone walked up to you and said, you know what's wrong with your culture? You guys, and then fill in the blank. Chances are you'd want to fight them, or you'd immediately disagree. Or maybe you would agree, but you'd be in the minority. But going back to gun control, I, I don't think that stopping, even if we cut off no new guns sold ever again, there are so many guns in this country, and, and a black market would emerge that you wouldn't be able to, to make much of a difference. So I know I've talked about gun control before, but I just wanted to touch on that and, and how I thought that humanity was related to that and culture. To me, guns are what level the playing field. If you're a young girl or if you're a girl, if you're a female, if you're a male of small stature, you should carry a gun everywhere you go. You should have it with you. And imagine, imagine if every crook or thief or rapist out there knew or thought that every girl had a gun. What would happen? Of course, statistics would change. They would have to. Speaking of statistics, how ready are you for self-driving cars? I mean, come on, Elon. Let's get this thing going. I'm getting too old for this. I want to be able to enjoy this in my younger years. The reason I say this is because driving back from my hunting trip, I stopped in Fredericksburg to fill up. And so I stopped at the pump. I put the uh, the nozzle in the truck. I got it going. I took Gypsy out. I walked over to the grass. I played with her a little bit. I let her potty. I come back. I put her back in the box. I take the nozzle. I put it back on the deal. I get in the truck. I start it. I drive off. I look. And I think, dude, they didn't put any diesel in my truck. I didn't even, the, the pump didn't go. It just clicked off immediately. So I was like, well, I'll just keep on going on the road. You know, I had like 38, 40 miles to empty. I pull up Google Earth or whatever app, and I was like, where's the next gas station? It's like, you know, 42 miles. And I was like, I got to turn around and go back. So I turned around, went back, redid the whole thing. And then I was like, why don't we have self-driving cars? Like, imagine how you could redesign the interior of a car so that it didn't revolve around the driver. Man, that would be awesome. Imagine like the workstations you could have or the multimedia or the the gaming setups or whatever you wanted, you know, it's just the whole inside of a car could be completely redesigned. Productivity would go up, crashes would go down. I mean, it's it's my understanding that the only reason that they haven't done it is because we have to contend with human drivers. So predicting what the robot drivers are going to do is the easy part. The hard part is the robot drivers contending with the human's decisions. But man, I'll take the risk. Give me one. Let me try out the beta version. <laughs> I'm so ready for him. I, I can't stand it any longer. Speaking of can't stand it any longer, I'm done with the mask, guys. I'm just done with it. We're still in limbo. We're in some holding pattern. No one's telling us when we're going to take the mask off. And I'm just done. And until someone can show me, some city that has warned them or hasn't warned them, and here's what happened, and they overloaded their hospitals and everyone died. I'm not doing it. Because I think, I really do think, that the reason people love masks is because they know that Trump doesn't. 
And so it's crazy to me how political this thing got. But it, here we are. It's here. And I'm protesting the masks by not wearing one. I get it. It's not for you. It's for everyone else. I know it. I've heard all that. But I still disagree. I don't think they're that helpful. I don't like the way public looks in masks. I don't like to not see facial expressions. I don't like it on my face. I don't like to sweat. I don't like to slobber. It's disgusting. It really is. And so I'm done. And so as I'm thinking through all this, how this has all gone down, and how that we've been sheep long enough, and we've worn the little mask, and, and we're going to have to defy this rule if we ever want to see this thing change. And I'm well aware that not everyone's going to do it, which is fine. If we all did it and it backfired, it would suck. But let's let the people not wear the mask who don't want to wear the mask anymore. But going back to what I was saying, I mean, here's what's kind of funny to me, is that you have all the right, the Republicans, saying, hey guys, we shouldn't do mail-in ballots because there's going to be cheating. And then we have all the, the left saying, you don't have any evidence of that. Show us some evidence where cheating has happened. Show us the evidence. Show us the proof. Okay, just take that and remember it for a second. And then you have the right saying, hey, guys, we don't want to wear the mask. We're done with the mask. We think it's bad. We're not, we don't agree with it. It's silly. Show us some evidence. <laughs> and what does the left say? You don't need evidence. You don't need evidence. It's common sense. So, like, do you not see? Do you not see this? How when they ask for something, no evidence is needed. But when you ask something of them, we need evidence. I mean, come on. Come on, man. You're, uh, what, is, what is it? Oh, you're, you're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. That's what you are. And what, what did he tell the soldiers? Joe Bi- I'm quoting Joe Biden, by the way. I think his quote to the soldiers was, quote, Come on, clap, you stupid bastards. End quote. If that's your presidential candidate, more power to you. I would not call soldiers stupid bastards. A lot of people have been comparing this election to the 1960 election between Nixon and Kennedy. And so I went back on my trip back from uh, hunting and listened to the debate. I kind of had it up on my phone, but I was trying to pay attention to the road and not the phone. And so I listened to the debate. It's like an hour, hour and a half when I was driving back and it was so refreshing. The guys actually spoke to each other. They didn't step on each other. They were, they spoke to the points that mattered. And, and they started out by saying, I think they both said this. He and I see the country the same way down the road, but how we get there is how we differ. And to me, that like, it almost gave me chills. Like, man, these guys both see the country in the same place. That is not what's happening today. Because the country that Biden sees in the future and the country that Trump sees in the future are totally different. And so I don't know how we strayed away from, from that. But it's like I always say, the, where we are today is that people just want to get reelected. I, I, I truly believe that most politicians will, do, will say something to get a little bit of support. They have analysts, they have strategies, they figure out like, who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to say? Where do I need to go rally? What do I need to comment on? Who do I need to ignore? Who do I need to address? They spend big, big bucks trying to figure this stuff out. And if you don't believe me, the power's addictive. Like someone explained to me why like Dianne Feinstein, who's like 89 ancient years old or something like 87, 88, Dianne Feinstein, so old. 
You know, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I mean, man, was she 87? The, the, the power, power is an addictive drug. And, and that's what happens to these people when they get in office. I firmly believe that these people are not the kind of people or the, they're the opposite people who can walk into a room and command respect in a boardroom with a bunch of CEOs wearing $5,000, $10,000 suits. So they're not those people. So what do they do? They get into politics and they win elections and it, and it boosts the ego that they wish they had or the confidence that they, they don't have because you get put in a position where by default you're respected but you didn't really earn it. You sold it. You, you sold your respect. So you convinced people why they should put you in a place of power. Whereas in the private sector, you got to earn it. I mean, sure, there's outliers. There's ways around it. There's people being born into daddy's businesses too. But for the most part, you got to earn the respect. And it can be through a couple different ways. You know, there's, there's ways to get respect. Um, having people fear you is one way. Having people love you is another way. But these people don't get voted into their positions. They get appointed. So they got to do better than the next guy. And so I know I've said before that I think the political realm is just a place for flunkies who can't hack it in the business world to go. I still feel that way. Obviously, there's outliers. There's people out there that you know are pure-hearted public servants. But I just don't think they're willing to do what it takes to win elections. And so it's sad that we've gotten to the state that requires people to play these games to get elected. And you got to go suck up to the political pundits and you got to have the fundraisers and the, the dinners and the galas and the, you got to sh- go to other functions and shake hands. I really hope politics is moving away from that. I wish it would be more along the lines of digital interaction where people that are getting into politics, they just basically post videos or podcasts about their thoughts and how they would do things. And it'll be impossible to stand out in a crowd but I think it could happen, especially for people that already have a name for themselves. Like, um, believe me, I'm not advocating this. I'm not saying it should happen. But if someone like Joe Rogan, who's got a huge voice, decided he wanted to get into politics, he's got a platform to do it. Now, I hope that I, I honestly don't think Joe Rogan, I think he knows he's not cut out for politics. And I think the public would go with that, too. So I don't know. I'm kind of rambling now, but it. it really was refreshing to listen to that debate. And what's funny is that if you, if you watch the debate, you would say that Kennedy won. But if you listen to it, you'd say that Nixon won. And a lot of um, analysts say that that's because of the way Kennedy looks compared to the way Nixon looked. So this was the first major televised debate that like multiple channels covered and it was broadcasted and published. And it's because people hadn't had TVs really as much before then. So it was 1960. And they said that, you know, Kennedy got on stage, he looked great, and Nixon got on stage, and he's like, I'm not wearing makeup, which I thought was awesome. I ain't wearing no makeup. That's for a woman. A woman? <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day, how the term woman can be derogatory. If you say it, if you say it a certain way, I can see Nixon saying that. No woman, I ain't putting on no makeup. I ain't no woman. <laughs> so, yeah, if you watched it, you'd say Kennedy won. If you listened to it, you'd say Nixon won. Once again, it's hard for me to establish a winner and a loser, all of uh, Nixon's policy pretty much was what I agreed with, so I probably would have been a Nixon voter. So, yeah, I'm going to make it a point to go through and watch some more old presidential debates. I've watched some of Reagan's, um, and they were pretty good. He was a sharp guy, uh, pretty witty, very quick, which I really admire. Okay, I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing about the debates by now. <laughs> started out by saying I'm not going to talk about debates, and then I proceeded to talk about debates most of the time. 
hey, that's because this is off the cuff. Nobody's paying me for this. I can say whatever I want to. I think that's going to wrap things up, though. It's 7.45. I still got to figure out what's for dinner. Feed the dogs. Blah, blah, blah. All the stuff. It sucks being a grown-up. But thanks for listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Get out there. Speak your mind. Don't keep your opinions to yourself. Back up your thoughts. Let people know why you think the way you do. Don't be disrespectful. As much as you hate Trump, you can still like his supporters. It's okay. We're still humans. Thanks again for listening. Keep it tranquilo.